0: Welcome in to Locked On, Nick's Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are getting into the second part of our locker room chat with all of you that we had on the locker room app. The first episode, you might have heard with the way it ended and everything, we had a little bit of technical difficulties where people weren't showing up in the room to uh, to come up on stage, even though people were putting in requests. So we had to reboot the whole thing. We rebooted it like twice, and then that left us with these two bonus episodes, which we wound up going longer than the first one between these two episodes. So hope you all are ready for some really great Knicks fan discussions. We talked with so many people, uh, got so many different great things going on. Gavin, what did we talk about in this part two?
1: Well, first we talked to our guy, Matt, with one T. And and he was telling us how he's going to be in the building for Gabe two. So we talked about just excitement, what, what he would be looking out for in person, getting to see a game this year. For the first time, then we get into uh, a fun conversation that uh, has happened before. Uh, What would it actually take for Alfred Payton to be benched? Alex, you and I make predictions on if and when that would happen. We put percentage odds on whether we think uh, it'll it'll actually come to fruition. Spoilers, we, we both think it will. Uh, then we have our series predictions. That, that's a big thing. We were thinking of making that a whole episode in and of itself, but it ended up being pretty brief. Uh, then a, a fun question from our guy, Brent Mashiach, uh whether or not there will eventually be a Knicks-Hawks rivalry started with this series, two young teams, interesting one, and then the importance of missing Mitchell Robinson in this series. So all that and more right now on Locked On Knicks.
2: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
0: your team every day.
2: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. without a five. Ewing from the, right the up, up, left. Yes. Hubs left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's And he's out. And he Anthony for three.
0: Infectious. all right welcome in to locked on Knicks. i am alex wolf i'm editor-in-chief of nicks site the strickland which you can find at the strick.land he is gavin shaw Number one play-by-play broadcaster in your program and in your hearts and podcast host talking Knicks as always. But we were, of course, joined by all of you guys on the Locker Room app talking about the Knicks, talking about the playoff series. We got a little technical difficulties in the middle, but this is where we picked up and started really getting into the meat of it with you guys, taking all your questions in the app and uh, talking about some great stuff, which we mentioned in the intro So I won't hold this up any longer. Here comes part two of our locker room discussion
1: with you all for this week. Wait, can you guys hear me now? Alex? Yep, I can hear you. Oh, great. Can you you see everybody now, too? Yeah, yep. Sorry, guys. My fault. Yep. Sweet. All
0: right. Hey, whatever. We're in business.
1: All All right. And we got a speaker request. Matt Kaplan. I'll honor that right now. Brent will get you up next. Matt, what's up? Sorry for the delay. What's going on, guys? It's, not,
3: it's all good, man. I was like cracking knowledge. up. Sound like you are beating on the mic. You know, Gavin had to take a little personal break, you know? Just yeah, we, we, we all need one at times. <laughs> I feel you guys. I feel you guys. No, I was just listening to the conversation I wanted to. I mean, I requested earlier in, but you guys didn't respond, so I figured maybe you guys wanted to chat amongst yourselves. So I'll just listen in, but...
2: No, we were dying for war. <laughs> We were <just>
3: trying to <laughs> fill space. <laughs> I got you. Oh, well. No, I mean, I was just excited because I'm actually going to Game Two, and I just wanted to talk about it because it was just I woke up and as soon as it hit two o'clock on what what was it yesterday? I believe I was just pressing, and I I'm not fully vaccinated yet, which sucks because my my second one's coming in soon. So it took me a while to get into that uh to that non vaccinated group. Which is um yeah, excited about.
0: Yeah, that's dope. Are they still, so so I I'm guessing that some of the sections are still just socially distanced
3: then, yeah? Yeah. So it's like a small portion of of MSG that's just socially distanced. Um, no vaccine required. Yeah. Um I'm pretty high up, but hey, listen, I haven't been to an NBA um playoffs in my entire life, let alone a Knicks playoff game, so nothing uh, nothing was gonna stop me. Have you ever been to a playoff game before? Never, never in my life. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. I went to
0: one. It was a really funny story. Uh that I think I I think I told this on the one Strickland Pod recently mm-hmm. where uh my wife had gotten me tickets for my birthday in 1213 and of course we were like like 22 well it was for my 23rd birthday. So we were, you know, we were like fresh out of college, so like that was a pretty big expenditure at the time. And uh I was so excited for it, like it was it was Game One of of Knicks Pacers, and in the second round, and they wound up getting killed. If uh, if you remember that series, yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, and uh, I just the the thing with it was was that we got there. I guess this is sort of anticlimactic, but I don't know. She still always gives me shit for it. Um, but like we got there and. I had like the brewings of a headache and, and like worst possible timing. And then where we were seated, kept getting hit by the spotlight all game, like directly in my eyeballs. And by the time that the game was over, I had like one of the worst migraines I'd ever had in my life at oh, that point. Damn! And so I was just like doubled over just with like head pain. And, She just – she thought that I was so pissed off that the Knicks lost. (laughs) And, like, that I didn't appreciate the fact that we just went to, like, a freaking playoff game at MSG. And I was like, no, I promise you, like, this is awesome. Even though they lost, I don't care that they lost. It's fine. Like, you know, it's whatever. It's just a game. It was fun for the experience. But, my God, my head freaking hurts.
3: (laughs) I I hope I don't have I need to be perfect health. I need to plan the day accordingly. I have to come in ready. Yeah, but, uh, hydrate up, yeah, hydrate sure. up, sure. man. <laughs> yeah. That was my, probably girlfriend. my uh, Yeah, so my, I'm, I'm in a new relationship, and she knows little about the NBA. And then when she started dating me, she she just now is a mega Knicks fan. And it's, it's it's funny to see how she takes over. She's more competitive than I am. So, like, when we watch Knicks games, coming down to the wire, she's screaming and yelling at the TV. It, it's fun to watch. So it's going to be a good time. I would say yeah. that. <laughs> what was that? I would say you found a good one. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she's so competitive where it gets to the point where she doesn't want to pay attention for most of the game. Cause she's going to get too into it. But then, you know, as watching the Knicks throughout the season, cardiac Knicks as they are, every game this season seems like you have to fight tooth and nail. And so it just, we find ourselves in our bedroom, just screaming and wanting to break walls in the television. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like a horror movie.
0: Just a reminder, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Fun story. I don't know if you've heard this one yet. I've told it for the last couple of times I've done this read, but I'm going to stretch this for a couple more because it's, it's more fun than the regular ad copy. Uh, the other day I was driving around in my car and my check engine light comes on and it was the check engine light and like one other light and my cruise control light of all things was flashing. I started to freak out a little bit. Luckily, like I have my windows down in my car. I start like listening for my engine. Like, okay, do I need to prepare for this thing to explode? I'm still like 10 minutes from home. Can I make it home? Whatever. I'm like panicking my whole way back. I got some groceries in the back seat. Finally get home and I'm like, all right, well, my car sounded fine. I don't know what this is all about. Googled it. And one of the first things that came up when I searched for that particular light arrangement was, did you check your gas cap? And I was like, No. And so then I went and looked and turns out I didn't have a gas cap on my car. Uh, I live in New Jersey where we're, you know, bougie enough that we have people pump gas for us. So someone apparently left my gas cap sitting on top of a gas pump somewhere. So I needed one. I needed one pronto and I didn't want to spend a lot of money for it because why would you want to spend a lot of money on a gas cap? So first, honestly, I went to Amazon and I looked and it was like 10 bucks for a gas cap. And I was like, you know what? I only talk about Rock Auto like four times a week. Let me go check them real quick. Went on rockauto.com and looked, and they had a gas cap for $5, half the price of Amazon. I can't believe that those words are coming out of my mouth about like anything, but they literally beat Amazon by half. Insanity. The exact same model of gas cap. I got one with a tether on it. So there will be no mistakes made with my gas cap anymore. It's going to be tethered to my car now. And I was just blown away by how inexpensive it was from rockauto.com. I could tell you that that applies for all parts as well. I've ordered a couple other parts off there for my Subaru Forester and I've loved every single one of them and they have come quick. They've been less expensive than anywhere else and great quality parts for my car. So If you want to check out what's available for your car or truck, head to rockauto.com right now. And if you, like me, go on there looking for something and decide, wow, this deal is entirely too good to pass up, make sure you just write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com.
1: Yeah, Matt, is she going to the game with you?
3: Yeah, yeah, so it's both of us going to the game together, yeah.
1: Oh, that's dope, man. That's so exciting. Um, yeah. When was the last time you went to an NBA game? Was it Was
3: it recent? I mean, or... <sighs> Not at all. Hasn't, hasn't, no, haven't been. I, I wasn't able to go this year. It's been a crazy year for me. But uh, last time, maybe it was like over two years ago now. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. So it's, it's, I am so excited. So, yeah. Gavin, what was, what was your last game?
1: It was... Oh. That's a good question, man. When did I last go? It honestly, I haven't, I'm trying to think of the last time I went to, I think the last time I went to a Knicks game was maybe 2019, like early. I, I don't, I didn't go to one last season. I didn't go to a Nets game last season. I think the last game I've been at was Nets Sixers playoffs in 2019, which my friends like got for me as a birthday present. Because the Knicks obviously were not in the playoffs that year, um, so I got to watch uh, what you would call it, like That's uh, D'Lo, right? With it was, it was, yeah, it was D'Lo, Joe Harris, Din, uh, Dinwiddie might have been hurt, Karras, Um, and then I think Embiid was out for the game that I went to, so it was like Ben Simmons and like freaking uh, Boban uh, just ripping the Nets apart, which is that, uh, that was a good guess, series, wasn't it? I remember yeah, it being very good. like heated and it was it was pretty back and forth that was that was the last game I went to and now I'm in I'm in talks with all my friends because we're big I think I've said this on the pod a few times but on top of being a big Knicks fan I'm a very big Suns fan because I actually I went to college literally eight blocks away from the Suns arena and they had this promotion when I was in college that was incredible my whole life I lived in Manhattan and I could I could afford to like maybe go to one Knicks game a year but I mean as you guys all know they're Tickets are prohibitively expensive. But the Suns had this deal where for college students, they had $5 tickets the whole season. So you can get into any home game for $5. So as a freshman, when I didn't have a lot going on, I would just I went to like 38 games. And it was, it was the best thing in my life. And it was the first time I really got to consistently watch NBA basketball in person. But the whole, whole time I was there, the Suns did not make the playoffs. They, the, the, my freshman year was that 13-14 season when they had Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe and, and the Morris brothers. And they missed by like half a game, even though they won 48 games. So I was talking to them this year about being like, all right, if the Suns make the conference finals, which now that they're playing the Lakers looks like it's not going to happen, uh, we got to fly out and go. And then, like, when the Knicks were so good this year, I was like, all right, I got to find a way to go, look at ticket prices. And they're just like, no way, not going to happen. But, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for it. Matt, I'll I'll send you out on this. What's the – like, obviously, like, a close game would be amazing, but what's, like, the single thing you're going to look out for, like, being there in person? Is it, is it to, like, see an IQ – 35 foot three is it to see Randall hit a step back is it to see OB get a transition dunk because watching this team this year there have just been moments where I was like god I would give up an order to be in person and and seeing this in person yeah good question
3: um honestly it's just I really want to see RJ Barrett succeed like I honestly believe he's the x-factor and like when he's not good we just it always ends up in a really close game or we end up having like a very defeating loss. And I just really want to see RJ get going early because, like, the first half, he's just always off. He always seems like he just wants to camp around the three-point line and wait for Julius to kick it out to him, which I don't think it's the great thing for him to do because I think he needs to be that guy to sort of take over a little bit and, and to penetrate a little bit more. So to just be there while RJ's just going off, either by the corner threes, which he's been killing this year, or just to him just bulldozing in the pain and getting those and ones against like a Clint Capella or a John Collins. That that would just be fantastic for me to him to average around like 20 points and to just, to just kill it, honestly. All right, Matt, we we, we really appreciate you tuning in.
1: Uh, before we we send you down, man, uh, any, any social media or anything you want to promote? Or? Um.
3: No, I mean, you just catch me on, on Instagram or, or Twitter. It's just uh, Matt Kaplan. You know, I'm a big Knicks fan. I'm always posting about the Knicks. Always on. I host sometimes my own uh locker room. So if you want to just talk Knicks and kick it, then I'm here. All right, cool, dude. Uh, let let us Appreciate know. Me. Come back on after you after you go to the playoff game. I, guess, I For guess sure. Can I, can I ask you one question before I before I yeah, bounce? go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, what are the chances Alfred is not in the starting lineup for game one or for for at any point in the series? For the series, yeah.
1: I would. That's a great question. I would put it at. I want to go over fifty, but I don't. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> I'm going to go over fifty. I think I think if it gets to a game six or seven, and he's consistently been crap, which it would be a shock to any of us if if he's not. I'm I'm going to say there's like a I'm going to put it at like seventy percent that really? he, that he he goes out of the lineup for for a late game in the series. I think I think Tibbs would start Rose because I think ultimately really? I think ultimately he is. It's not a question of faith with Rose. It's a question of not wanting to shake up roles. But if the Knicks are about to be eliminated, I think he will go to that. I think the only scenario where he wouldn't go to that is if the Knicks somehow win this series pretty easily or if Elf unexpectedly really gets going and is driving to the rim. And even if the Knicks aren't winning his minutes, I think if he's getting to the basket and, and playing well by his standards, I think Tibbs will stick with him. I, I just don't think that's very likely. So I'm gonna. My final answer is 65. Uh, but Alex, and,
3: and you don't think Frank is gonna make an appearance trying to lock down. You don't think Tibs gonna put him to lock down Trey at all?
1: I think he. I think he'll play. I'd be surprised if he started.
3: Mm. I am gonna go
0: 50-50 for the first game, and I'm gonna go bold. I'm gonna say 85% chance he's not starting by the end of the, really? the series. I think he's toast. I think he's toast. I think uh, when we, when we talked to Berman the other day, which if you haven't listened, I guess that was technically yesterday's episode. feels like ages ago. Um, If you listen to that one, Berman, he wrote it. And then he also said it during our, our show that his impression. And I mean, obviously people got asked about this stuff today. Tibbs, I saw a quote from RJ about like, Oh, Elf is our guy, blah, blah, you know, we're, We support him, all this, that, and the other. Everybody's always going to say that. Nobody's going to get in front of a camera and say, like, this guy sucks. I never want to play with him again. Um, Because that's just not professional. And, like, RJ's been doing this forever. Like, he's obviously not going to say something like that. Um, But, like, I I just get this feeling based off what Berman said about doesn't seem like he has too many fans in the locker room. Uh, You know, it it seems like they're maybe ready to make a change. You know, this sort of thing, like, it has been being hinted at the whole season it, at various times. Like Ian Bagley had actually come out a couple times too and insinuated like, you know, hey, keep an eye out. Like Frank Nilekina has been being kind of kept around for a reason, like that he's not being completely phased out, uh, you know, because he might have a role to play at some point later in the season and the situation with Alfred Bears watching. I mean, I think Ian had that reporting all the way back around like the all-star game. Um, So it's, it's taken a while to come to fruition for one reason or another, whether it's a front office directive or, or what, but I think, I think there's a decent chance that you don't see Alfred start for game one. Uh, I think that there's an extremely good chance. He's if the Knicks make it to the second round, he's not starting point guard in game one of the second round.
3: I, I honestly hope so because watching him play sometimes, I just, I just don't understand. Like I just don't understand it. It yeah. seems like there's. It seems like he operates on a different set
0: of rules for Tibbs than the rest of the players. You know, the rest of the players, they take a couple plays off, they're out forever. You know, they're like, you're done for the rest of the game. We saw I, a recent game where Frank got in and played like five, six minutes in the first half. I, I mean, I would, I love Frank, but I would even say they weren't a good five, six minutes. It wasn't for lack of effort; he just couldn't hit anything. Right. You know, timing seemed a little off, whatever, and he got benched for the rest of the game. Uh, Alfred goes out there and stands with his hands on his hips in the corner and essentially gives a defender a playoff uh, and just continues to start for, you know, 10 to 16 minutes per game. And that's just that. So I I don't get it. I don't know why he seems to get his own set of rules to operate by. Um, but I, I that's what makes me think maybe it was a directive and maybe, you know, with the playoffs, Tibbs would then have the power to be like, look, we can't. We can't screw this up. Like if I, I want to make it to the next round, you guys want us to make it to the next round. No more directives. I'm gonna play who I want to play at this point. Um, but we'll see. I guess we'll see how it all goes. I don't I don't know how it's gonna go. And it might take the Knicks losing a game pretty much because like, oh, they fell in a uh twenty to six hole because you know, Alfred was bogging down the offense at the beginning. That might be what it takes to, to make that happen, but I guess we'll see. Last predictions, Nixon
3: six seven five sweep. I got Nixon six. I got Nixon six. Okay. Yeah, same.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I think I'm I'm currently leaning Hawks and six, but if Tibbs <laughs> if Tibs makes the change by game two, I would I'd flip that on a dime. I think my, my my pessimism is entirely rooted in in this question of how much Alfred Payton will play. But Matt, we, we really appreciate you. Coming I appreciate up. you guys. Thanks, Thank thanks you. Thanks so for much. the patience and. And for all of us, have a great time at game two. And come back on and tell us how. For sure, for sure. All right, right, we'll talk to you later, man. All right, uh, let's get up uh, another person who's been extremely patient, uh, Brent. Thank you so much, Brent. We we, we really appreciate that you waited. And uh, what do you want to talk about?
4: Yeah, I kind of want to just talk about pretty much what Alex was talking about before, about the whole um, rivalries thing and how he doesn't really feel and I don't feel that way either. A real rivalry with the Nets and things like that. And that kind of goes back to why I was so excited for this series to happen. Because I just feel like this could be the start. Same way I said like last week about the start of something new with the Knicks. I think this would be a start of a really good rivalry between us and the Hawks. Because we're similar, we're so similar, yet so different in so many different ways. In terms of us being a team that really... People had various expectations for how we do. And yet we just have such young rosters and just no matter what the outcome is of this series, it's going to be a rivalry. At least I feel it's going to build a rivalry between the fans.
0: Um. So, yeah, I agree. I, I do think – I think that both the teams are kind of on the rise, which is great for the league and for building this up as a rivalry. I mean, obviously you have, you have Trey Young drafted in 18, you know, RJ drafted in 19. You know, so two potential young stars that can kind of grow into this rivalry. I mean, if this series goes like seven games, yeah, that, every one of those games next year is gonna is gonna mean something for both those teams, uh, you know, in the regular season. And that was exactly what I was talking about with the Nets thing, you know, before we got so rudely cut off by locker room um, was like the, uh, the the whole idea that you know these these sort of things need to be earned, and you know this these are two teams that that match up pretty good as far as timelines and stuff. So like a four or five matchup between the Knicks and Hawks could be a thing for at least a few years, unless, you know, the Knicks go and get a huge other star or, you know, the, the Hawks somehow managed to, you know, swing another star somehow and put themselves into that, like, like Sixers nets Bucks upper echelon. Like, I think there's going to be a few years before either of these teams will be legitimate contender level teams. Um, and so for that reason, like, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool, you know, that we could potentially be seeing a, a burgeoning, you know, yearly rivalry between these two. And maybe it even ends up, you know, maybe they do both continue on the same curve too. And someday this is like the two three matchup that we're seeing in the second round all the time. Um, so I, I think that these two teams are on a pretty similar trajectory. So this definitely could be uh, a, a matchup that's kinda boding well for the future, for a future rivalry for the Knicks that would be akin to sort of like the the Heat and Pacers rivalries of the '90s, where it's it's not teams in your division, but it's teams you just happen to see a lot, um, you know, in the playoffs, and and that's what breeds those those fun, contentious rivalries between fan bases. So, I, I would totally be down for it. I think the Hawks, at least for me, I, I really don't enjoy how Trey Young plays very much. So, definitely an easy team that I could learn to hate over time as a fan, um, and, and root against on a yearly basis for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm with Alex. I mean, I think people underestimate how good the Hawks are going to be down the road, and how good they'd be this season if Hunter didn't get hurt and they had Nate McMillan as their coach for the start of the year. Like you just, you look up and down their starting lineup, and this is why I, I guess I'm I, nominally a little, a little pessimistic about this series. There's just a lot of talent there. I mean, Trey. I mean, rip on them all you want in terms of style of play and I, I don't always love the foul baiting but the dude is just is is a prodigious talent from a skill perspective like his combination of of pull-up shooting and, and touch on his floaters and, and passing there's five or six guys on planet earth who who can do it the same way maybe that number might even be too big honestly like there, there just aren't too many people who, who have that combination of talent and, and then Bogdanovich is someone who Earlier in the year, I was kind of disappointed with how he was playing because I, I really liked him in Sacramento and if, if people have been listening to the pod for a while they'll remember I was a big advocate of the Knicks going and trying to grab him and I was like thinking outside of that environment um, on the Kings which is was somehow worse than the Knicks the last couple of seasons he could potentially be a real talent then he kind of sucked to start this year and then over the last two months I mean he's he's been an All Star basically he's averaging. 20 plus points per game and shooting 47% on a, on a high degree of difficulty diet of threes. Capella's turned himself into someone who I thought was was really just a product of James Harden to one just flat out one of the best centers in the league. Hunter's probably the best or, or was the best two-way player that they had with his, his shooting, his, his newfound ability to get to the rim, how versatile he is defensively at six foot eight with, with really quick feet, and then Curter off the bench... Um, John Collins is, is a guy who many people thought would eventually turn into an all star. He's, he's not that, but he's actually, I think he's gotten better on defense and he's turned himself into a great shooter when, when his main skill was just being athletic around the rim. It, it would almost be like if Mitchell Robinson out of nowhere was like a 40% three point shooter on volume. So they just have a lot of really good pieces. And as good as they were over the last, like, I think over the last 25 games, they had something like the fourth or fifth best record in all of basketball. Um, maybe even better than that as good as they were they could have been even better if they had stayed fully healthy all year and they had um, like competent coaching from day one and then I don't even really need to get into it with the Knicks but we all agree the Knicks have an incredibly bright future at this point I, I think you could be looking at a scenario where I mean as some of these teams age out like Philadelphia who knows what happens, but with Embiid's injury history, I, I just I, I don't like it, but I feel like there's gonna be some years where he's hurt and out and they're not really a contender. Milwaukee looks like they're gonna be good for their foreseeable future, but I just think given how reliant Giannis is on his athleticism and since the jumper is never really gonna develop, you don't I, I don't think they have quite as big of a window as some people think they do of being one of the best teams in the league. The Nets for the next two or three years should be the class of the East, but after that, who knows And with Durant's inability to stay healthy, and Harden, who who's never had a shaky injury history, all of a sudden having some injury issues, and Kyrie could retire out of nowhere. My point is, as good and as, as cemented as some of the best teams in the East seem like they are, this stuff is tenuous, and it tends to turn over quicker than we think it will. You could have a world where like the Knicks and Hawks are, are one and two seed playing, maybe, maybe even in the vein of the Jazz and the Suns this year, where no one really thinks they have the two best teams, but... They were just the two healthiest and the two best during the regular season. I I, I just think these are two teams that are on the precipice of being real contenders. And sometimes in the NBA, that happens a little bit quicker than you think. But Brent, I'll I'll throw it to you. Is that that kind of what you were were trying to get at when saying like there's potential for a meaningful rivalry between these two teams? And this,
4: this could be the first chapter and all that? Yeah, I really believe that simply because of the fact that, like you said, the league and, again, nobody's really talking about it because, again, he's pretty much been an Iron Man. But, like, LeBron is aging out. Like, Durant, the Durant, Curry, Westbrook, John Wall, James Harden, like, that generation is aging out. So they need more young stars to pretty much carry the load. And we got, like, Luka Dantrix in the West. But, like, in the East, there's not really a lot of guys. And I'm not saying that Trey Young is on that level at all. But let's just say, like, whatever happens in this series, let's say, worst-case scenario, the Hawks beat the Knicks handily. It's the Knicks, so we have a lot of attention on this. So Trae Young is exposure or clout or whatever you want to call it is going to go up if they win the series, or if the Knicks handle the Hawks steadily, it's going to be, okay, Julius Randle, he's the guy in New York. Or let's just say if it's a close seven-game series, like we talked about earlier, whatever happens, whatever team that lost is going to feel that they got screwed, either because of a bad call or just bad officiating or just lack of preparation they're going to come in the next season extremely hungry and wanting to go after them. So I just feel like no matter what happens in this series, it's just the best case for maybe not us, depending on who we're rooting for. Like, we all want the Knicks to win. But overall, for just the league in general, it's just going to be a good result no matter what. Versus what, if we would have faced the, the Bucks or the Heat in a certain situation where, like, we're just seen as a stepping stone for guys that are already relevant.
0: Yeah, I do think that maybe we will start seeing some sort of, like, like who's got next sort of stuff coming out about the Knicks and Hawks, regardless, if this is a really competitive series. I think, obviously, if if one team or the other gets beaten, like, five games, and it's not particularly close, then, you know, you, you'll get, oh, the Knicks, you know, if it's the Knicks that do it, it'll be, oh, the Knicks are on the on the up and up, they're just a star away, blah, 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 ditto for the Hawks, but if they really go at each other and have a tough series and then whatever team advances in six or seven games or whatever gets to the next round, gives the Sixers the business, you know, and and maybe takes them to six games. Then I think you'd be in a situation where both of them are going to start being propped up as like, Oh, which, you know, the, the Knicks and the Hawks, these are two young and up and coming teams. Like they might be just a move or two away from reaching that, you know, uh, Nets, Sixers, Bucks level of competitiveness. And, you know, to your point too, there are the stars that are like kind of aging out of the league. Um, The Sixers obviously aren't part of that because they they still have a a nice
4: uh, younger core of stars. But we don't Um, know how long Joel is going to be like the guy. Like I'm worried about how long his quote-unquote prime is going to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is true because of the injuries and everything. So he's he could potentially be on like almost like an Amari timer where his prime might, unfortunately, get cut short. Um, yeah. Then you have, like, the, the Nets are all guys that are in their 30s now, I think, right? Isn't Kyrie 30 now? Or he's,
4: like, 29. No. Kyrie's, but, like, the youngest one of them. I think he's, like, 27. I don't know.
0: Whatever, yeah. 20 Let's say he's 28. I don't know. Whatever. Sa- same diff. But, you know, yeah, he might, to Gavin's point, he might retire any day now. You know, like, he's just kind of flighty like that. Um, and, you know, then you have Harden and Durant who are both in their 30s now, like in their mid 30s solidly and starting to show some durability issues and stuff. So, you know, their time on top might might not last. Um, and then the Bucks, like, I guess that I feel like they're probably pretty well set up for the future too. I mean, that honestly, I think the East is just kind of like the young, exciting conference by and large at this point. Other than the Nets big three, which are like the three established dudes that have been around for like a super long time. I think the East is the East has got a lot of like fun talent kind of growing up together at this point, and the Knicks, the Knicks especially are the one that I think surprised everybody in that they sort of joined that discussion. But you know everybody kind of saw the Hawks that way. Uh, the Heat, the Heat are kind of a weird case too. They have a they have a real mix of of veteran and and younger talent on that team. Like Jimmy Butler, low key is is on the later stages of his career too even though he doesn't feel quite as old um as some of the other guys but by and large like i I think that i think there's there's definitely going to be some compelling stories about the knicks and the hawks potentially as you know potential sparring partners so to speak for the next few years uh while things sort of die down at the top of the east and then you know one of them might or maybe even both might take that leap and become, you know, one of those upper echelon teams. And then, you know, it might still be a case of they might still meet up at some point in the playoffs, maybe then as a 3-6 matchup or something, um, and still have that rivalry going on. So, yeah, there, there's definite potential there. I, and I could I could see a lot of different scenarios where the Knicks end up facing the Hawks in the playoffs a lot more times uh, from here on out, whatever the circumstance may be. Even if, even if one team falls off and one ascends or whatever, then, you know, like you said, then maybe you get that high-seed, low-seed matchup. Uh, but I can see both of them kind of rising together because they do both seem to be figuring their way out
4: here. Um, yeah, yeah. I, like, I'm just excited for it. Like, I really can – like, I just – I don't hope that it gets – like, nobody gets hurt, but I hope it gets a little chippy because, like, you know, Julius, when he gets into it, he, he's a fiery guy. Capella's a fiery guy. Like, I just hope it gets – I hope it's just a close series where, like, you know, we could actually take things from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
4: Um, Gavin, do you have anything
0: to
1: add to that? As far no, as the... I thought. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought, I thought that was great, guys. I, I just, all I'll say is like that was uh, what I was presenting before was the positive angle. The negative way to look at it is is like, man, like when you when you just just go across the board. There's so much talent in the NBA, and I know I know it's all a relative thing, and you could argue like, all right, maybe it's just that the rules um, are making offenses look better than ever, so it feels like there's more talent than ever in the NBA. But the Nets are still like like how loaded the Nets and the Bucks are, and the Sixers, and you got to figure the. I mean, as much as we don't like it, the Celtics with with Brown and Tatum, that's still a pretty good base to build. A team around, even if it feels like the sky is sort of falling there, and then even even the teams at the bottom of the East feel like there's there's some intrigue and, and all those and like a lot of like the Clevelands and and the Orlandos of the world are like one of those teams is probably going to end up with like a Cade or an Evan Mobley um, or, or someone else great. Like it just it, it's kind of exciting to see the the place the NBA is in, and, and I think the Knicks and the Hawks are are both in a in an in interesting part of that where, where they're on the rise, but both sort of, I, I would even say like, I, I would say the Hawks, I have a cleaner trajectory next year to becoming a 50 win team, but the Knicks just because the market have the higher ceiling of like, they could get legitimate superstar talent here, but it just, it, it all, all it says to me is the NBA is in a really good place, but, but Brent appreciate you coming up and sharing your insight as always. Um, and any final notes before we send you down, man? Um, uh...
4: Not to really think of. Just really excited for the playoffs, and I thank y'all for doing this podcast. It's Really entertaining to listen to. All right, well, thanks as always, Brent. And we'll, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm
1: sure you'll be back next week. All right, let's bring up uh, Jerry. Jerry was our next guy. Jerry, how's it going, man?
2: Pretty good. How are you?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. Pess- pessimistic as always, but uh but, but good other that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think you're the most pessimistic Knicks. Uh nicks fan i i know out there must
1: be, um, there must
2: be someone worse out there i i don't think
1: i don't think i could be number one but i i'm working on it I, I'm, I'm in therapy jerry I'm, I'm so we'll about
0: say about the, it. the the old guard like nicks blogging community like lo- love them or hate them like the the like networks of the world like definitely more pessimistic than gavin i think like they they're always like everything is always like oh how are the Knicks going to screw it up this time it's like man yeah, yeah. On, let's 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 move on let's let's be let's be happy now
2: let's be happy. yeah I, and um gavin also i'm in um i'm in phoenix so yeah i can oh, relate cool. to yeah i can relate to your um your sons i was trying to get sons tickets and uh it's pretty 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 expensive too so oh really um, that's, yeah. that's
1: actually that that makes me feel Good, actually, that they have enough people who want to go to the game that they're not giving them away
2: anymore. No, no, they're not. Because, um, I mean, they're playing the Lakers, so there's a yeah, lot of um, L.A. fans flying flying over to to watch the game as well. Um, but um, back on the Knicks, I, I feel like we, we probably are, like, underestimating, like, this roster a, a little bit. Because looking at it, I feel like Atlanta is, like, a more finesse team where, like, Trey Young is pretty much orchestrating everything. And Knicks is more of, like, a hard-nosed, tough team. And in the playoffs, if if the refs kind of swallow the whistle a little bit, it plays in the Knicks' favor a little bit more. Whereas, like, I feel like Atlanta will probably try to play to the whistle. So if they don't get it, it might disrupt, like, their game plan a little bit. What, What do you think? No, I think I think
1: it's a good point, and, and Alex, I know I know that's something you you've talked about a decent amount. Um, but I, I just think I think it'll go both ways. In that, in the playoffs, um, maybe in the in the finals, I think you have the same crew every game. But um, I think in series, I'm pretty sure you don't get the same officiating crew night in and night out. And even when you do, there's just some very like I, I just feel like refs are are rarely maybe individuals are, but but groups of three are, are rarely consistent about how they call games from a night-to-night basis. So I could see scenarios where, where you're at MSG, the crowd is rocking, maybe, maybe there's a slight intimidation factor there, um, and the Knicks get a little bit of a swallowing of the whistle, and they get to play more physical, and they get to really embrace those elements of their game. And then you could have a game back in Atlanta, and Trey Young is, is getting like calls every time someone breathes on him. And I think if you're the Knicks... You, not, not to say they should play like, any differently than they have all season, but if you fall to be a little bit too reliant on that physicality as, as your chief means of, of stopping what's, what's a really skilled offensive attack, that can lose you games because you, you see so often teams, especially younger teams, just kind of lose their cool when they get a couple of calls against them. And that builds and that builds, and then you get a tech, and then and then another team, especially a team that can just raid threes on top of the techs. All of a sudden, you're having two possessions where a team scores seven points, and and you're you're out of a game that you were previously in. So I think I would just caution that it could it could go both ways. And I just I always hesitate to be too presumptuous about how a series is going to be called because it feels like it vacillates so much from from game to game and and week to week, but. Alex, I, I know you think, especially with Trey Young, that's going to be a bit of a factor.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I already said it like earlier, but I, I you know, I kind of think, I think he's going to be in for an awakening that things aren't going to be called quite the same in the playoffs. Granted, it, it's impossible to know because this is the first time playoffs for both these teams in a long time, and and certainly the first time with these cores. And with these, you know, certain players, like it's going to be Randall's first time in the postseason, RJ's, Trey Young's, uh, Clint capello has been there, obviously, you know, so that's that's a thing. Uh, I don't think Bogdanovich has ever been because he spent the rest of his career with the, the Kings, so obviously not 15 years in a row without the playoffs. So it's going to be his first time, you know, a lot of playoff first timers. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how all these players get called, you know, Um uh, will the Knicks somehow get less calls too? You know that that's another factor that I, I guess I haven't really considered too much yet. But we already complained during the regular season about like what does RJ have to do to get a foul call? You know he he would so often would get inside and get hacked, and then you'd see it on replay and say, how was that not called a foul at the time? I mean he was he was getting hacked in the lane there, and uh, so maybe it's going to even out to some degree. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see as far as the whole, like, uh, uh, same referee crew. I, I don't quote me on this, but I'm like 99% certain that they get a different crew on for every game. Um, cause I think the NBA tries specifically to curtail that sort of stuff, like potential carryover of like makeup calls and, and crap like that. Um, from game to game, I, I don't think that they have the same referees. Uh, so, I, I don't know if the, the Knicks will have to worry about that to any degree. Um, I do hope, though, like to your point, Gavin, that the Garden kind of plays a factor as, uh, as James Dolan was saying the other day. In, I don't know if it was a radio interview or what. I, I don't know who he was talking to. Uh, that, you know, the, the Garden's been very much missing its sixth man, so to speak, uh, of, of having more fans there, you know, to cheer and, and really get the team going. Uh, maybe it'll be a, a blessing or a curse. I've seen some people say, like, "I uh, wonder if having more fans is actually going to kind of screw with the Knicks and put more more pressure on them." I'm not really thinking that way. I, I think that they're they're going to thrive off of it all year. They've always been saying, you know, I, we can't wait to have more fans in the building. We love the energy the fans bring and everything else. So, um, yeah, that's basically where I'm at with the officiating. I, I just I'm really intrigued to see how both teams get called. And I think I think Game One. Will give us a pretty good idea, and then Gavin, to your point, you know, it might take until Game Three before we really get a full profile of how both teams are going to be called because we'll see how the Knicks' home cooking is and how the the Hawks' home cooking is, particularly if more, with more fans in the building. Um, but it'll be real interesting to see.
2: Yeah, uh, Jerry, any uh, any final notes or yeah, yeah have a have a follow up. Um, so. We're talking about like the, the two rosters, and you mentioned the Hawks had some injuries, but if you look, like Knicks missing uh, like Mitch, that's a huge it it plays a huge role because if um throughout this run, Knicks had Mitch and they moved Noel to the bench, like there were a few games losing to Philly by you know that shot, losing to Boston, losing to the Nets. He would have probably made a difference, a rebound here, rebound. There. Even the one to the Lakers. So I feel like both teams you know, have had to deal with some injuries. But if you really look at the rosters, the Hawks have a really nice, decent roster. But if we talk about playoff experience, I feel like Knicks have more players on their team that have... That have um playoff experience versus the Hawks. And if you talk about coaching, I'll also probably give it to tips, right? So then it comes to which superstar is going to step up and it will come to Trey or Randall.
0: All right, that is all for the second part of our locker room discussion this week. Again, three parts this week. We went in on this whole locker room thing this week, I was I was exhausted. I needed some Gatorade afterwards. I took a nap. It was it was a lot. Uh, so in this third part that's coming up a little later, we're going to talk about whether Trey Young or Julius Randle is the best player in the Knicks Hawks series. We're going to talk about whether the Knicks should try to make Trey Young beat them or not in the series, uh, if that would be a wise strategy. Who has the brighter future between the Knicks and the Hawks? That was a very robust discussion. And which Hawks would be a good fit on the Knicks down the road? We close with that, talk about some of the other Hawks players, ones that we might want to see, because they do have a good amount of young players that they're all going to have to be paid at some point, and you figure Atlanta won't want to pay every single one of them. So kind of you know, speculate about that a little bit, talk about that. That is all coming up on the third and final edition of this week's Locker Room Chat. Next time on Locked on Knicks.